3: Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. Twenty years later, we've decided to rewatch the series one episode at a time,
2: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
4: Learn the music that matters to you the most with the Yousician app. Yousician has today's top songs and classic hits that you want to learn. You can start playing guitar, piano, ukulele, or bass, and it's easier than ever to learn your favorite tunes. Become the musician you've always wanted to be. Visit yousician.com slash words to try Yousician with a 20% discount using the code WORDS. This app is amazing. You need to check it out, okay? musician.com slash words for 20% off using the code words. Now here's the show. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 words or less the podcast. I am back from Japan. Konichiwa, Ohio. Ohio is actually good morning in, in Japanese in case you're wondering. Today, I have an exciting guest. His name is Ryan Tuck. He plays in a band called Fit for a King. Very, very large band within the context of the whole metalcore, modern metalcore world. Good band. Good dude. Love this conversation. Actually, this conversation came about because he reached out saying, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast. If you ever want to come hang out with me, let's do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm in your band. Let's go ahead and do this. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's always really fun how that, that happens. Um, let's talk about some other things and I'll talk about Ryan, then we'll dive in the interview like we usually do. First of all, thank you very much to everyone who checked out the episode last week. It was, uh, frankly, one of our quickest downloaded episodes as far as like, uh, you know, size of popularity and how quickly you guys consumed that. I appreciate it. And I know Aram appreciates that. So dive back. If you, uh, you know, didn't listen to last week's episode, it was a really inspiring chat and I heard a lot of feedback about that. So I appreciate that. And you can always reach out to the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you no matter what it is that you are writing me about. I mean, if you're writing me about something like, Hey, what's your shoe size? Like, you know, that's not, that's not too interesting. So we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> um, and yes, I am, I'm, I'm tired, but I'm well, the Japanese tour that I did with taken was, um, uh, just incredibly overwhelming. That's like the best way that I can, uh, I can do to, 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 to tell you that because, um, yeah, it's just amazing. Like the, the shows over there, uh, not, I mean, they're not huge. Like we were playing to like two, 300 people a night, which was amazing and incredible. Um, so it's not like, you know, we're like rock stars in the way that, uh, you know, some people are over in Japan, but it's just the general enthusiasm and feedback from people in regards to us being over there. It was just, it's incredibly meaningful. So thank you, Japan. Okay. Really appreciate that. Also, if you don't subscribe to this show, please do on whatever podcast catcher you are listening to, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Overcast, whatever it is, subscribe to the show because that way it's, uh, you know, it gives the little show a little juice and then make sure that you never miss an episode of this thing as it comes out. So like I said, Ryan Tuck, he uh, plays in Fit for a King. He plays bass in Fit for a King and the band is really really good i enjoy what they do and they are hard workers always on the road always always playing out gigging out so to speak and uh, ryan has an interesting story so that's why i wanted to share this with you and thank you very much ryan for being a fan of the show to begin with so that's what we got here is the discussion with ryan Well, well, Ryan, <laughs> you, you, funny, funny you bring that up because that was literally the first thing I wanted to talk to you about because I felt like that was, uh, you know, that you you, you teed it up uh, appropriately over a text where you were like, "I'm going to need to discuss Casey Musgraves with you," and then oh yeah, and, and then and then since she has obviously you know won multiple Grammys for her I record, which I knew you. was going to happen, but um, so t- okay. Tell me, convince me otherwise that I, I, my musical opinion is wrong. Even though that's impossible, and obviously that doesn't happen. But you know, tell tell me why you are a ride or die for Casey Musgraves.
5: Okay, so I uh, I play in a band with a bunch of dudes from Texas, and I'm from New York. Country was not my thing. I'm not really. I like some pop, but I'm I'm not a huge pop guy. And so. Riding in the van, particularly our drummer listens to a lot of country music. And usually I hate what he puts on. Not just the you know, the country stuff. He either listens to country or the nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy five I can I can deal with. I, I don't mind them. Regardless. So a time a, a couple of times he would put on Casey Musgraves and I'd be that, that butterfly song and I'd be like, Yo, what is this? And he'd be like, This is Casey Musgraves and then I started listening to the record. And it just brought out my, I guess, the parts that I like about country a lot with the bubblegum pop that I tend to enjoy. Like, I'm really into female singers. And, uh, which there's another beef I have with, with the three of you with your top 10 lists, so but we'll get to that after. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, I don't know, man. There was something about her voice and, and, I like that uh, she seems to actually partake in her songwriting, uh, from what I've been told, to a decent extent. And uh, I don't know, man. I just love the record. Just when I, you know, I'm not a big country dude, but when I listen to it front to back, I totally get where you guys were saying. Where there's a couple songs that are just pretty redundant, but I thought that the bangers were awesome, like Butterflies, Space Cowboy. Like I could listen to that all day. Right. But it was a uh, have you ever listened to Brandy Carlisle?
4: Oh yes, yes, yes
5: I'm a big Brandy Carlisle fan And she's One of the only people in that Americana kind of world That really strikes For me, and I guess when I listened to this I was like, okay, this is kind of like A country Bubblegum version of That style of songwriting And uh, I don't know, just yeah. made me feel good I no. like it, I hey. think she's sweet as hell
4: I, I, no, I, I, as much as I don't personally care for the record that much after, cause I think, I mean, you, you encounter this, I know, just like everybody else does, where, you know, word starts to spread about a record and people kind of like, Oh dude, like kind of freaking out about it. It's like, Oh dude, this is, this is such a good record. And I remember that happening from not only, you know, friends in the music industry and people's opinions who I trust, but then there's also just like, you know, random people I work with are like, dude, the new Casey Musgraves. And I'm like, wow, I'm getting it from all sides, but there there comes a time where you're just like, all right, I need to actually sit down and listen to this thing. And um, it, it's not a bad record. It's just one of those things where it didn't, um, you know, it didn't it didn't take me away in, you know, the, the and plus, like you mentioned, you are kind of the forced exposure to the record can definitely get you to like the thing where you end up, you know, being like, oh, yeah, like I hated this for the first 10 times. And then all of a sudden a switch flips and you like the record because I've listened to it for a million times in the van or whatever.
5: Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think if you go into it being like, oh, is this going to be like the most intellectually brilliant record that has ever been written? Of course, it's not going to be your favorite thing. Right. If you're like, man, I just want like a nice like if I'm chilling out and I'm having a nice day and I feel good and I'm doing some yoga, I'll put that thing on. I feel, you know, and it just kind of gets a groove going for me. You're at Um, peace. You're at peace. Yeah, absolutely, man And, you know, I just like that Uh, I guess the other thing for me is If there are, you know, young women in the world That are going to get somebody to idolize And and look up to I'd much rather that chick She's, She's cool and she's classy And she does, you know, really interesting music For a time when, you know, a lot of people Are putting out a lot of really redundant crap And I think for people that either like John Mayer Or like Taylor Swift they can find something in Casey Musgraves to uh, attach themselves to. Yeah.
4: So. No, I, f- I, I feel, I, I feel you. We uh, will, will will agree to disagree, but at the same time, I don't look down upon oh, you for, sure. that, for that choice. It is, Cause like you said, I think they're, especially when you have people like you and I who have, you know, dedicated ourselves to, you know, the weirdo independent music and you understand how much it kind of takes to really like, put, put a song together, you know, as much as that uh, may mean something different to many people, then when you look at it in the large ecosystem of like, oh yeah, like, you know, there are people that have no involvement whatsoever in their songwriting, you know? And so you got to show respect where it's like, oh yeah, like Casey Musgraves, like, you know, does she sit there in her bedroom crafting 20 (laughs) songs? Like, no, probably not at this point, but like, does she have a heavy hand in it? Like, absolutely. And then that feels like you said, better to support than just, you know, a manufactured artist or whatever.
5: And if you had, you know, take part in it and you get to be album of the year, I, I think that's pretty freaking cool. And, you know, the other thing is even looking at like an artist like Fetty Wap, you know, I do not like his music at all. I don't dig it. But when he was on top 10 billboard, he was the only artist who wrote his own songs. He was on top 10 and i think that is freaking cool yes. so i'll always like throw you know a little nod of respect to somebody who's at least like having a piece of their craft but uh dude so here's my other question for you guys all top 10 there's one other record that Please. uh i didn't hear mentioned i was bummed about okay hit me and it was now now saved
4: oh good okay i just recently saw tankred which is half of now now and it was one of those things yeah. where that record um I, I mean, I listened to it when it first came out and it was, it was very good, but it just didn't, um, like in this, it, it didn't hit me in the same way that Threads did or the previous, uh, EP. Yep. And so I, I do think that that just suffered from a, a, like, it just didn't stay on my radar at all. And I think that, you know, cause I, I think it came out on that, the same label that the previous one trans, which is like Chris Walla from death cabs label. I could be completely I wrong. I believe so. But, uh, I'm, I'm not positive, but yeah, good, good record. Yeah. Very, very good point.
5: Yeah, it was interesting. It it didn't like when I think a lot of people heard Threads for the first time and it starts and you're like, oh, wow, that sucks you in. Saved didn't have that same uh, vibe to it where at your first listen you're like, oh, this is like one of the best things I've heard in a minute. Mm -hmm. But... For the year I found myself Going back to it A lot And it was another Like the Casey record Having a good day I'm vibing I'm cleaning the house Whatever Doing my yoga Something Put on that record And you feel great And I thought that it was You know A step in a new direction For them But still a really Really cool And well written Album Um but yeah. yeah, that was the only, that was the only one I was like, well, oh, I was surprised I expected that to get like a mention. No,
4: but, to- uh, totally. No, that, that, <laughs> no, it's, it's a very valid, it's a very valid point. Cause it, it, it was a good record, but uh, yeah, you know, just didn't, uh, didn't have that saying power. And I, I just looked it up online and yes, it did come out on trans records. So, and I th- you know, it's, it's always tough when you feel like, You know, the way that you and I view the business as well, where we're, you know, we we look at the way that records are marketed and like how it stays in public consciousness and all that other stuff. And so, you know, I I think that sometimes, you know, we're maybe a little bit too close to stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, that record didn't, you know, pop up on on my list for, you know, all of these other reasons besides the fact that it was really, really good. (laughs)
5: Oh yeah. Well, thanks for allowing me to be a nerd and pick apart your list a little bit.
4: I appreciate it. That is exactly what those lists are for, man. (laughs) People, people need to be able to consume it and then express their opinions and tell us we're wrong. So it's beautiful. (laughs) But
5: but, absolutely, uh, yeah. Once you had responded and I and I and I I listened to it, I was like, all right, now I got him. We're going for it.
4: Yeah. Like, I don't even even care about coming on your (laughs) podcast, but man, I just I just want to tell him he's wrong on this. Yeah,
5: exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm just so pro Casey. That's I love it. I love it. Well, shifting yeah. the focus obviously on on you as a human being because that's what we do in the podcast. Um, so you you like you mentioned previously, you were born was it like upstate New York? Like I think from what I understand, like the Red Hook area. I know you've mentioned it previously.
5: Yeah, yeah. I grew up, or I was born in Rhinebeck, New York, and grew up in Red Hook, New York. It's a part of the Hudson Valley, okay. uh, particularly Dutchess County, uh, like an hour forty north of Brooklyn. And I currently live in Beacon, which is uh, like at the tip of the valley near Westchester. And um, it's, you know, about like hour 15 in JFK, Brooklyn area. Um, But yeah, I love the area. I mean, New York has always been awesome. Growing up, the scene, and I I went to shows at Poughkeepsie all the time. And the Poughkeepsie scene was awesome when I was a kid. It's not crap now, which stinks, even though we have some pretty cool bands. Um, But. Uh, It was a great place to grow up, man. Super beautiful. You get the best of every season, and you know I think exposure to like New York City and stuff at a young age is good for people. Kind of teaches you that the world is a melting pot, and not to be such a little dick. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's where the Poughkeepsie. I I mean, I only played. I think I played once or twice there because the, uh, oh gosh, Jeff Menig, the show promoter from up there. Jeff Menig, that's one of my best friends. Dude, Jeff, yeah, Jeff brought Taken up there more than once. And uh, I mean, you know what it's like when you meet a promoter who, you know, clearly is doing it for the right reasons, not only wants to support like the local area, but then, you know, is just like a cool person. And like the Chance was up there, correct? Yes, sir.
5: That's where
4: he worked. Right, right, right. But no, that's so cool. I just loved it when you find those little pockets of like the suburbs where, you know, you you feel like no matter what, there's going to be like a hundred kids at the show because everyone has been kind of groomed to come support these shows as they come through.
5: Yeah. Well, Jeff and I grew up in Red Hook together and we were a few years apart, but, um, it was a really, really tiny town. We have one stoplight in the whole town right? Right, and, um, So he was, uh, I don't know, maybe like six years ahead of me. And he was booking shows at the Chance in the Loft. And I started booking shows at my Elks Lodge in Red Hook and at my high school and putting on shows when I was 15. And he got word of it. And like my band started playing his shows. And he kind of took me under his wing and mentored me and uh, helped me to kind of learn the ropes a little bit. And he managed all my bands growing up and, uh, you know, just has been the most like rock solid, incredible friend to me throughout my life. So I'm very lucky to have that dude. And, you know, at the time having the guy who's promoting all those shows and putting them all on as your manager was just super advantageous for my bands. So we got to play all the best shows and uh, really helped us to get out in the forefront. And, you know, things didn't end up necessarily working out for those projects, but we got, got pretty close. We did well. I was in this band called divisions for a few years And uh, you know we almost got signed to Roadrunner, Mm -hmm. and then at our showcase they decided to tell us that uh, yeah it was cool but just weren't feeling it. But uh, (laughs) yeah, we brought the contract, but we're not going to sign your band. So that was awesome. Um,
4: (laughs) You got to you got to love the you have to love those experiences because I I think that like you know when you're young and you get your. You know, hopes up, and you've already started to like fantasize about what it would be like to be on Roadrunner and all these other things, and then to have it like all come crashing down where it's just like, oh, maybe we weren't that good. And then, yeah, you start to go yeah. in so many different directions.
5: Well, you play a showcase for eight people in a jazz club with your Screamo band, and then they're like, <laughs> oh, this wasn't awesome. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Could have told you you that Not awkward at all So thanks guys Um, But You know it's funny That spiraled into Our vocalist So Jeff picked up The band Sworn In At the time And they were a young New band And our vocalist Quit the band To go tour manage Sworn In That's the time I hated his guts Shout out Chris And um, That really really Stung for a few years I kind of You know just played Some acoustic shows And Kind of the band fizzled out, and um then a couple of years later he ended up meeting Pfpper King and introing me to the band and that's how I ended up getting my tryout and stuff so uh kind of came full circle after me telling him what a horrible human he was that he ended up actually doing the thing to uh completely benefit my life and bring me to a whole new place so yeah it was it was pretty freaking cool man the whole thing was a, a pretty wild experience, but, uh, very thankful for the two of them. They they played a huge role in my life getting to change.
4: Sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you have those people who are, um, you know, able to kind of, uh, not only educate you, but, you know, be a friend, be someone you can trust and then kind of, you know, just like learn, Alongside of them, as you guys are both experiencing, you know, new things. Because you know, even though a person's whatever five or six years older than you, most of the time they're experiencing some of the, you know, same things as you at the same time. And so you're kind of both learning from each other. Even though you know, there's that idea that the person that's a little bit older has a better idea. But you know, most of the time, that's uh, you know, yeah. as you get older, it's some sometimes, sometimes it's not true. But yeah,
5: yeah, you know, it began with admiration and like you know wanting to learn, and then we found ourselves eventually being friends and not, you know, having it all just be like, Hey, what what can I do? What can you teach me? What you know, anything that I can help you out with? Can I work at your show? Whatever it is. Yeah. And uh you know, so you know, it was nice. I mean now gosh, you know, we turning thirty in a couple weeks, so it's not really the same yeah. <laughs> as it used to be. But you know, it's freaking awesome. I'm so happy to you know still have those people in my life. That's um cool. and it's made, you know, doing this Job that much better, you know. What I mean, it's not like we have some bittersweet story or, or some jaded group of individuals. Like everyone in the band are are really lovely and pleasant to be around at almost all times. So, you know, we're we're lucky to have the experience that we have at the moment.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And so, your uh, your family structure growing up, like mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters. What was the makeup?
5: Oh yeah. Mom and dad, uh, have been together since high school and are super cute and corny. <laughs> um, nice total like white picket fence without the actual white picket fence life. Um, I have an older sister. She's married, has a kid and they're awesome. Her and I were pretty tight, still are growing up, like would go to shows together and stuff. And, um, I had the nicest childhood that you could get. I did not get uh, the shit end of the stick at all on that one. My parents, my dad was... Captain of the football team. My mom was a cheerleader for the rival school. They met working at an ice cream shop and have been together since. Oh my gosh, so, dude. That is it. That yeah, is it's like, yeah. that's corny as it gets.
4: Totally. That's beautiful. I mean, uh, you hear about yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, you see it about, you read about it in books, you see it in movies and stuff and you know it happens, but then when you actually have it reflected back on you and it's like your childhood, it's always like, oh yeah, man, you almost don't even want to talk about it because you're just kind of like, you're not even going to believe this, but this this really happened to me. <laughs>
5: Oh, yeah, man, and and it's really opened up my perspective on life because, you know, for one, my parents were young, and, and they were really cool, and my dad and my mom worked out a lot. My mom uh, taught self-defense to women and has her black belt tech blonde uh, She hadn't, you know, done it for like 10 years, but so I grew up getting to do that and, you know, do sports with my dad, and he works out a lot, so it was like a really fun, healthy life, and they listened to great music like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and salt and Pepper and, like. Just sick stuff in the house all the time. So I got influenced at an early age to have what I think is pretty decent taste in music. Right. Um, no, that's and right. then, you know, throughout our family, we had, you know, I had an aunt who is now seven years sober, but was a crackhead for 15 years and had three different kids from different dudes. And um, I have African American relatives and I have. Uh, a homosexual uncle, and some things that in my life that I think helped me to, I don't know, to kind of get it a little bit. You know, I, I still definitely say stupid crap as everyone does, um, but I was really lucky to have at home. My home base was extremely solid, but I had to witness some things that uh, definitely were difficult as a kid. Like you didn't really understand why people were coming and going or what exactly they were doing. Um, and I think it helped me to like kind of stay straight when I was younger. I definitely had some stupid years in my early twenties where I, um, went down a bad path for a while, but, um, you know, my home life was, was freaking cool, man. You know, yeah. still is there the nicest, kindest people to deal with. and And luckily everybody that's Going through some crap is you know working it out. you know, I've got a cousin at the moment who um you know is going through some stuff and incarcerated, but he's growing, and like some of this stuff is necessary, and it's necessary for people to witness and to understand. so um you know, it was like I said, it was very interesting, but super thankful for um kind of all the angles that I got to see.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like the the value that you get out of that is uh, a perspective. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, being raised relatively close to New York City, you get that experience of like, oh, yes, not because I, I do think that when, you know, one of the beautiful things about independent music is that you start to see other people's perspectives, whether like you get politically awakened, yeah. whether you get ethically awakened, like whatever it is where you're just like, oh, the one thing that I know to be like my experience isn't everybody's and i think that's you know you're describing exactly that idea of like oh yeah. yes like i, I see that <laughs> there's a wide a wide swath of the human experience and once you understand that and know that it's much easier to be able to uh find your own place in it
5: and i think that the weirdest thing for me with that is in the super like pc culture that we have right now Everyone is trying to say, I feel like a lot of these people, uh, particularly like Caucasian individuals, are saying that they understand what other people are going through. They're fighting for other people's rights and the idea of that they get it. And the fact of the matter is you're never going to get it unless you have to walk that walk and experience that. You're never going to 100% know what it's like to like get hit by a cop and have throw your cell phone in a microwave and fry it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think just with the experience, I try to take a step back and like not be that guy. That's like, yeah, like I know exactly what everybody's going through and I'm in a fight for you and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just not that cool. Like, I don't, I don't think that I get a lot of kicks out of that. Um, but I think that if you take those experiences and you take that perspective and you know, you do your everyday walk with it, then, then, that's being an open-minded individual, and that's being kind, and that's you know being respectful to everyone, and that's the positive movement that I think that everyone needs to really focus on. Is you know, stop trying to say that you know exactly what everyone else is going through, and just be there for people. It's a lot easier.
4: Yeah. No, for yeah. sure. It's it, yeah, especially. Yeah, you're, you're, very, you're very, very, very correct on that. But that's cool that, that you were yeah. able to, you know, start to put those puzzle pieces together at a, at a relatively early age. And so the, uh, so it, Tuck is clearly a nickname, right? Like people call you Tuck. Have yep. people called you Tuck for like 175 years? Like, I, I, anytime someone no, has a nickname, it's kind of funny.
5: What's that? Yeah, so when I joined the band, we've got the vocalist name is Ryan right. as well, even though we call him Kirby all the time. So they were like, oh, we need a nickname for you. And uh, I was like, all right, like whatever. And one day I was, we were in the studio making the first record that I was with the band, and I was going out on a date, and I tucked in my shirt, and Bobby <laughs> just said, yo, looking good, Tuck. And then they were like, oh. That's it. That's it. So now like, if I go to Starbucks, I say my name is Tucker, but it's not. Right. Uh, my real name is Ryan Robert O'Leary. Right. And Tuck has zero relevance other than for like two years, I really liked tucking in my shirt a lot. And then I gained some weight. And I was like, ah, I don't know, man, I can't really do this.
4: Yeah. No, I so. I, I knew I knew that there, there was clearly a story attached to that because I was like, yeah, you, you could not be, your name could not be more Irish. And it's like, where does the Tuck come into play? But now that makes sense. So Yeah.
5: Yeah, zero relevance. But you know, the captain of my football team growing up, his name was Tucker. So I was like, Oh, maybe like people will think I'm more handsome. If my name is Tucker. <laughs> you
4: know? I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Through, through the process of uh, association with uh, something that people would have no idea that, that that is even associated with you. You'll try, you'll try to figure it out.
5: Yeah. He was a cool guy. You know, I just want to be a cool guy. Yeah, you know? totally. But, totally. <laughs> um,
4: and it, it's funny too, because usually, you know, so you like you, have you always kind of played bass in all the bands that, that, you've played in or have you kind of shifted to guitar and bass yeah okay
5: i i started as a guitar player um my uncle taught me how to play when i was in like uh like seventh grade and but then uh when i was in 10th grade in high school i just i sang in bands beforehand not playing any instruments um and then friends of mine were like hey you play guitar right and i was like yeah and they were like hey we're starting like a hardcore band. You play bass and i was like i don't play bass And, like, play bass. and like we have one I was like okay okay and then uh they just wanted me to go crazy and there was this really cool band from the area called Ghost Among the Dead and their bass player was, um, in my grade and he had the coolest stage presence. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to try to be like Steve and I'm just going to go wild and break my back and just do stupid stuff and try to be the chariot and Norma Jean and all that kind of crap and Dillinger mm-hmm. and, uh, so it just kind of grew from there. And then I just got stuck. I, I went from that band to playing bass and singing in a, like a three piece pop punk band. And then I joined bass in like a, you know, a metalcore band. And then that just kind of went from there. That I just ended up sticking with that more so because of, I was like 18. I got into that whole Poughkeepsie scene. I was playing in that kind of world. So once I left, I got kicked out of this band called The Last of Our Kind. And then I started the band Visions with friends of mine locally, and um I just always played bass and sang after it's way easier for me to either play bass and sing or play acoustic guitar and sing, and then try to play electric unless it's like soft stuff, mm-hmm. which everyone always wanted shredding and I don't shred at right. all so um, <laughs> well, it, not gonna happen
4: and it's uh, the only reason I bring up the, the bass you know bass is such an interesting instrument especially when you're talking about you know punk and hardcore because usually it is like um, you know I, I, I don't want to use the word afterthought because you know clearly uh, you know it, it plays an important part in every rock band ever but it, it, it usually the uh, the beginning of a bassist life is usually relegated to that idea of just exactly what you're talking about where it just it's like oh yeah we already have some guitarists but like you know Ryan you're good hang like do you know how to play bass it's like well it's two less strings I guess like I'll try to figure it out
5: exactly I mean I don't think that there's ever been a band in this genre where someone's been like yo I love that band because they have the most ripping bass lines ever <laughs> totally never yeah. not once they always say oh I like that band because he threw his guitar 30 feet in the air and <laughs> then he like climbed some, some stacks and jumped into the crowd Yep. You know, so I never, you know, unless you're like AFI and actually have baselines that make your songs songs, uh, yeah, no thanks. I'll just play my chugs and act like an idiot and kick crap. So,
4: right, right. Well any much more fun for me. <laughs> that that makes sense. And you it, it also seems that you know people that that play bass and granted this is a very uh, gross generalization but you have your people who play bass that are just like you know totally fine just like being in the pocket, you know, doing their thing. I want like no attention whatsoever. Um, and then the other people who are just like, Hey man, I like to like, you know, ham it up and have fun on stage and, you know, goof off and stuff like that. And it seems like you kind of obviously fall into the latter of the two, um, because you like to, you know, be goofy and, and enjoy your, your time on stage. Not saying the other people don't enjoy their time, but you get my point.
5: Um, so ha- I think there's people that take it way too serious for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, it's like Yeah. Like you got to, You're there to entertain. You're there to be an entertainer. I'm not there to, if I just stood up there and I played my Chuck patterns, it's not going to leave anybody being like, oh, wow, that was like really interesting and cool. It's just going to be the minimum. So I'd rather-
6: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small. Like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it Instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. No.
1: at purdueglobal dot edu
5: try to provide something for them, and I still get to sing and you know that's my moment of uh redemption where I'm like, okay, like I'm not just a you know a dancing animal like here i you know I do some pretty stuff too, and that's where I you know sit back for a moment but um you know i I just think that uh it's really nice when bands put on an entertaining gig for the crowd. Yeah, you know. So I'm um, lucky that the dudes let me act like an idiot. But <laughs> last night I was spinning around and I broke my strap for the third time, and I threw my bass across the stage, hitting our singer and snapping off a tuning peg. Good. So
4: congratulations. That was cool. Hey, this may sound absolutely insane, but do you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It's true, and you can do it for free with this app called PodCoin. It literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then, turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or, you can donate to charity, which is an awesome, awesome feature. So, the more you listen, the more you earn. For a person like me, holy moly. I I I'm signing up immediately for this. Download the Podcoin app right now on iPhone or Android and use our code words WORDS and you will get 300 Podcoin for just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of this show on here and many other shows, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on Podcoin. So do it today on Podcoin and use the sign up code WORDS to start earning today. It'll change the way you listen to podcasts because they pay you. How incredible is that? I've I've really looked into this and it's the real deal. Okay, Podcoin, just do it. Listen to this podcast on Podcoin, and you know I'll start taking you out for coffee. Well, technically not me. It's it's Podcoin that's doing it. So thank you, Podcoin. And now. Here's the rest of our show. I guess with that being said, like, have you always been uh, comfortable on stage or was it one of those things where, you know, as you first started to do it, I mean, you know, clearly there's always an element of when you first start to do it, you have no idea what you're doing. So you're kind of always nervous. Um, But has the kind of, I guess, performance nature of playing in bands kind of come naturally to you or is that something you've warmed up to over time?
5: Yeah, I was a musical theater kid in high school um there so you go you're totally performing comfortable. was just my thing yeah i like that's all i did man was just either being in plays you know i would do two or three plays a year um all throughout high school and then i'd also have uh i had like one or two bands going at every time so i was just really busy with that kind of stuff i i'm was a pretty poor student you know uh, i wasn't uh, very focused on it, pretty ADHD crazy, all over the place. But luckily, my parents were super supportive. They uh, wished I definitely would have cared more and done better, but they always backed me being involved in the arts and understood that that was my passion. Like, not every sixteen-year-old kid wants to necessarily like put on jazz shoes and you know plié across the stage, mm-hmm. but. I did and it was awesome and I was so stoked on it cuz I mean coming from New York that was you know part of my initial dream was like well maybe I could be an actor maybe I can you know be on Broadway but then you start to you know like with playing music I would try out for um things in the county at our local theater and stuff like that outside of my high school and then you really realize how talented people are and you know I thought that I was pretty confident and talented but then you meet some of these people that are just stars like so insanely good and that kind of killed the theater thing for me where I was like I really like this but I don't know if I have the confidence to like do this by myself for 15 years in the hopes of making it I think I need people around me to help me be a little more confident like having a band around you, at least when you fail, you have people to, you know, kind of jump around each other and be like, no, we're going to get over this. Like we can do it. You know, we can get over anything where when you fail an audition or you don't get that role, you know, other than calling your mom, there's not much you got to get over it. Um, so that's why I decided to really stick with the, the music thing and not do musical theater.
4: Sure. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Yeah, when once the uh, fishbowl gets a little bit larger, you realize like, oh yeah, like I, I may have been cool amongst this like this this small pool of talent, but then oh yeah, other people are like like you said, you recognize the talent uh, far exceeds the world that you've existed in, and it, uh, it's I mean it's cool once you experience that because either you are able to you know kind of shift uh, focus and shift, uh, ideas where it's just like, okay, well maybe I won't be an actor, but like, oh, I could be a good, you know, production designer or whatever. And you start to realize that there's all these other options out there, but yeah, it's cool that you can still participate in the arts, but clearly, you know, you're like you, you're still on stage, but you're just not doing the thing that, you know, you did when you were 15 years old or whatever. It's just cool.
5: Exactly. And, you know, I'm so, thankful for like the experiences that I had doing that because you know you had to really put yourself out there you had to be exposed and I got to meet so many cool people while I was growing up from my area that it was it was really nice man a lot of dudes like you know because I'm I'm a decently athletic human and you know a lot of guys when they were like oh why are you stopping playing football to do theater in a tiny little town that doesn't you know, you get some stuff said about you, some mean things. And you know, that kind of situation was hard, but the only reason why I did it was when I was a freshman, I was in chorus and three junior or two junior girls came up to me and my buddy and they were really cute. And they're like, Hey, are you guys trying enough for West Side story? And we're like, uh, yeah, cool. Cool. And that's why I started, you know? So I was like, oh, all right, you can like make fun of me, but I'm going to spend every evening like dancing with, like pretty girls and, you know, how. A pretty awesome life experience. So you know, it was it was really fun, man. That was some of uh, my fondest memories as a kid, for sure. Yeah,
4: yeah. that's really really cool. Um, you know, so uh, because there's no way that uh, anybody could ever speak to a uh, you know metalcore band that is centered within the Christian lifestyle and not talk about faith, because clearly <laughs> that is what everybody talks about. <laughs> so hey, like was, <laughs> was uh, I, mean, I guess was was you know faith, Christianity, and stuff like that something you know kind of instilled. Uh, from the get go, or was that something you kind of arrived to later? How how was your relationship with that?
5: I was raised in um, Lutheran Protestant church, okay, um, and I you know I went to church every Sunday throughout my you know youth and stuff, and I was always into it. Like I you know I don't really have any qualms with it. It was weird when I was in high school when like my town was primarily Catholic mm-hmm. and a lot of kids would you know talk crap on church because of their experience because the Catholic church in our area just seemed like a money grubber if you didn't um, go consistently and give enough money they'd kick you out and I just didn't never got that perspective where you know my pastors were pretty cool and open-minded and you know we had some really great conversations like especially when my aunt was going through all her stuff in and out of jail and doing drugs and whatnot I had a lot of trouble uh instilling my faith and and being strong in that cuz like the whole forgiveness thing made zero sense to me. I was like no 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 like how am I supposed to forgive this person like she sucks like straight up. There's no way right. that I have to forgive this human and now as an older individual you know I ha- I understand that because because of her faith she is sober and i that's the part of forgiveness where I was like, man, you know, I didn't see the long term in it. But at the time, I was just mad because she was doing crappy stuff. But, well, you know, I ended up doing some pretty crappy stuff myself. And a lot of people need forgiveness. And I think that that's just always been something that I had a really hard time with. But regardless, I i just had a good experience with the church. I didn't grow up in some kiddie-diddle little church where you know people are getting molested and having poor experiences and their parents are made to feel bad if they don't go enough or they don't confess enough my pastors were there for me as uh friends and mentors my parents were there for me to just try to be a good person it wasn't just about like hey if you do something wrong you're a piece of shit and you're going to hell everyone's going to make mistakes mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes i'm going to make mistakes whether someone is Buddhist or whether they're Muslim or whether they're Jewish everyone's going to make mistakes and for me as an older person now this is the the big faux pas I guess with us as like a a Christian band so my my personal idea is is at the end of the day the world ends and we were all technically wrong like everyone a lot of these religions are very similar Mm -hmm. similar rules similar ideas similar aesthetics but they have some label on it and they have some savior labeled on it but if at the end of the day people can just be saved and it wasn't just about the label and the god it was about the idea that's all i want man i just want people to get over the labels get over your deity and focus on being a good person That's the, that's what matters at the end of the day, because if someone is going to be saved, you're going to be saved because you're a good person. And for me, I was raised in a uh, Christian church. Yes. And I was raised to believe in Jesus Christ. Yes. But do I know that I'm right? No, not at all. I just wanted to have faith. I want to be a good person. And I want something to help me to kind of check my balances a little bit. Like, you know, it's good good to have rules. You know, it's not like I didn't break them. It's not like other people don't break them. But at least you should have something that you look at that's like, hey, like, if you do this, like, you might be fucking up. Sorry for cussing. No, you're Um, fine. (laughs) But... Yeah and that's all it was It's You know my parents aren't like the most strict Evil people in the world so I wasn't I've seen a lot of dudes You know and a lot of friends like go to church And have horrible experiences with it And their parents are horrible to them about it Because they're so stuck in this idea and that's where I have problems on certain parts of the country. I can't go to a part of the country where they're like, yeah, everything is about God and Jesus, but I don't like you because of the color of your skin. Well, then we're we're messing up in the first place because I guarantee you, your Jesus wasn't white either. So how about we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, there's there's a lot wrong, but if you focus on the good, It can be helpful. I'm not saying that uh, everybody needs it. I don't think a lot of people do necessarily need it. I think faith is what's important. It's not about being a a Christian or about being any sort of particular religion. Having faith that if I do good every day and if I do good deeds and I'm kind to my fellow man and I show love and compassion, I don't know what's beyond my body, but if it is something good, I'd love to have it. So, yeah, you know, no. that's it, just kind of, I think that's where we lie, man.
4: No, no, I, pre- I appreciate you laying that out because I, I know it's, it, it is one of those things that it's like, it, since the dawn of, of Christian alternative music, uh, the, there's yeah. always been that, uh, that push and pull notion where it's just like, you know, I mean, I myself am, am Christian and I've always identified with it. I've never played in a Christian focused band or anything, but I've always got that sort of, uh um, you know, d- well, not even tag, but I've just so people have discussed with me about that. And it it, it is one of those things where it's just like it, you, <laughs> you all, all, like you said, all you're trying to do is just bring the focus and the fact that like, oh yeah, like we're all approaching this from, you know, our own lens and we all have different opinions yeah. about this. But like you said, if at the core of it, you are simply trying to, you know, do better than you did yesterday and, uh, put forth a, a positive <laughs> attribute into the world. That's all that anybody can ask for.
5: Yeah. And, and to preface that, I mean that, you know, that's my view and, you know, everyone may just in my band may describe their faith slightly differently, but I think that we all have the same like, core perspective of trying to do. It's just different when you're raised, you know, in Texas in a Baptist church versus, yep. you know, the way that I was raised. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and it's interesting because even though as a quote unquote Christian band, like, We're not really trying to to jock that label super hard because on the new record, one song has a religious tension or a religious idea to it. It, We're not writing every song about, you know, praise up, you know, it's not all about that. There's so much more going on in the world than our personal belief in a faith. And I'm very happy to talk to kids about it whenever they'd like to talk about it, but I'd also like them to look at the songs from a realistic perspective and be like, okay, not everything has to have a religious tie to it. You can take these lyrics and you can have them mean to you, whatever you'd like. But just so you know, I wasn't thinking about God when I wrote this, I was just, you know, like I was sad or I was happy or I was whatever, like, you know, this let's not make it something that it's not. And that's the problem is for us, we're not labeled as a cool band because we're a Christian band. Right. So certain bands don't want to tour with us because they label us a preachy band. We've never preached, ever. We don't. We say God bless at the end of the set. That's <laughs> right. it. That's right. all you're going to get. So stop calling me preachy. Sorry that when we were kids, you know, the band signed to uh, uh, Solid State, which had been the most incredible label to us ever, of the most kind people that we could ever ask for. And, you know, yeah, we, we like... Religion, but you know, no offense to like our friends, but like for today, for instance, they were a preachy band. They went up there yeah. and preached.
4: They were a ministry.
5: So that sure, is what they, yes. if, you don't, if you don't want to tour with them, that's fine. But for us, we're not a ministry. We are not doing that. And The perfect word for it: we are not a ministry band. We don't preach. We just wrote some songs that have a religious connotation, and that's just how it is. It's yeah. not, especially as we get older. A lot of the stuff doesn't have that to it. So that's the only issue that we're having at the moment is we are you know, doing well and the numbers are there and everything's going great. But some people have pigeonholed us in that way and it's a little frustrating um, and that's kind of ironic, right? Because then it's like, God, fix it for me what's the problem? Right. Totally. Totally. That's the problem, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, dude, it's the same, it's the same,
4: it's the same way as like, you know, bands that existed in the warp tour world were never giving we're never given the time of day when it was like, you know, touring with cool indie band X, Y, or Z, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, they're part of the warp tour world. Like that's what little kid stuff is. And like, honestly, I view the way that people view, um, you know, bands of your guys' nature where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's cute, whatever Christian metalcore band, but like, yeah, that's not our scene. You know, it's a, they'll never be, you know, like you said, quote unquote cool because of these things. And it's like, well, no, like we can, we can. <laughs> you just need to give us a shot and a chance. Yeah, yeah I understand what you're saying
5: though. And it's stupid because you don't even have bands that are friends of yours and they'll be like, yeah, well, let's do it. Like, let's tour together. But then management gets involved and they're like, well, I'm not really sure because, <laughs> you know, they're like, to your gosh. And it's like, dude, you're an asshole. This will be a great tour. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Totally. You know, because, you know, so it's whatever. That's just our current thing that we're trying to navigate, I guess, um, as things are are working out because the newest record has been pretty freaking awesome and, and we're super thankful for how everything has gone that's just been the one thing where we're like all right like the sales are there and the kids are coming and the merch is there so why don't you want to do this oh oh, it's because i because i went to church as a kid cool yeah thanks man yep. So but it's still a lot of fun and we are super super thankful and things have been badass so you know really no complaints about it it's just another thing to figure out and it's not the worst thing to have to figure out it's much better than hey why isn't my band selling so yeah um,
4: no no i i feel I, I feel, I'll, I'll, feel I'll it. a, it. yeah yeah <laughs> totally I, I mean i don't think anybody can hear that complaint and uh uh, you know look at it as like yeah sour grapes like you're complaining about it but it's just like you no, know, these are the realities that you get confronted with when you are because I that was actually a question I was going to ask you a little bit later but it's apropos to bring up right now where it's like you know so many of of uh, you know bands that are uh, of your guys's ilk whether it's you know you guys like Silent Planet like all these bands it's so interesting because it's like I see them all kind of hit this interesting plateau of like yes you're successful you are you know a really solid direct support or headline in most places but then it never um, I'm I'm saying never like that (laughs) of course that isn't always the case but it's like it does not everybody's August Burns red, right yeah but then it's interesting because it's like but then bands can kind of exist like you know whatever Gideon's another prime example where it's just like you guys can be quote unquote (laughs) this is these are my words not yours uh, secretly successful where it's just like you know the, the, the music industry at large is not paying attention to you of being like oh yeah you're the coolest band like you know of course we'll put you up for a grammy or whatever you know not like you're asking for that validation but that the that there's there is that proverbial sort of weird glass ceiling that gets put on a band i mean yes you're not going to be rise against because you are not like you know that sort of quote unquote commercial appeal but you know do you do you kind of notice that as well that uh it sort
5: of unofficially exists Totally. For us, that's been, we have always been a very slow growing band. So I get the time where everyone's like, the industry sucks. You can't sell records. Every record, we sell more records. Every record, we stream better. Record, more kids come and we sell more merch. We're selling on this current tour. We've had our record breaking merch days and they've been pretty damn good. So it's interesting where that for us having to pitch that to people and convince them, like, "No, we promise you guys like we're doing well." It's really weird. like it's, it's hard at times, because you want to have people just recognize on their own and not have to deal with, you know like this you know like a knock loose, where just you're so fucking popular, you can do whatever you want, and everybody loves you, and it's easy, peasy. It ain't easy peasy over here, you know, but we still get great opportunities. We're still direct support to August Burns Red right now. We just did direct support to Devil Wars Prada. But that's also the same problem is we've done so much support for Christian bands that people have labeled us in that world and say, well, you can't be direct support to Knocked because you've been direct support to Devil Wars Prada and August Burns Red. But why not? Because it's metalcore. And Metalcore should be able to cross like that. And if we're bringing 300 kids and you're bringing 500, you know, 600 kids, that's a crazy awesome show. And people will be into it. So, you know, it it has been interesting for us to have to navigate. But um, I think a lot of it's just the choices that we've made. Um, And that's why a band like Gideon, they're not a Christian band anymore. Like yesterday they put up a shirt online that says Neanderthal shit in it. And uh, a lot of their fans are upset that they were like a Christian band for a long time, and now when you go see them, they cuss a lot on stage and you know do it in the music and stuff, which is cool. I dig it. You're adults, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, totally. But that's a hard thing to navigate. Is getting those people to stay by your side, and we will never do that. Uh, just because I don't. I
2: Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's Knix.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry! The sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to Nix.com. That's Knix.com. I don't want to hurt
5: anybody's feelings, so we're not going to start, you know, on stage. You know, i from new york i have terrible mouth right i just don't use it in my music yeah and um you know i think that's fine so to each their own love those boys to death and i'm so happy for them and they're making the choices that make them as individuals happy yep. um we just ryan jared and myself we just don't want to do that and um yeah, no will no. just stick to what we do it, hopefully it works out and you know people in time you know we're we've always been a slow grow So we're down to stick to that. We will slowly start to do other style of tours. And uh, if it works out, awesome. Yeah.
3: In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions.
4: So, yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah. And I, 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 the only reason I bring Giddy up, just, it's just a random reference. So, like, yeah, I wasn't trying to, you know, uh, <laughs> to, oh,
5: to, no, to no, no, no. Yeah.
4: and I know you weren't answering it as such. And I, I just wanted to be abundantly clear. It wasn't, uh, you know, trying to, trying to poke any bears there or anything like that. But, um, yeah, no. uh, um, you know, kind of looking at, uh, you and the, you know, the fact that you've toured, you know, in varying circumstances, you know, in a bunch of different bands and obviously with fit for a king now for a while, um, the relationships that you have, I mean, cause you, you have a fiance, right. Or you're set to be married at some point in yes. the near future. Okay. And so yeah, I presume you've been with her for a decent amount of time.
5: About three years, but we've been, uh, hooking up on and off for gosh almost nine eight or nine years got it um we were just friends for a very long time while she was in college and you know whatnot and i was starting to do the touring thing and stuff but yeah and then it came together later on which is pretty cool she's always been a super babe but she kept me at a pretty distant uh leash for a while (laughs) right Um, and she would just kind of holler at me when she'd come around and come home from school or whatever and i'd be like yeah sure like let's hang out." Um, but yeah, almost three years now that we've been, you know, together with no uh, no issues. Knock on wood. So very right. thankful. She's the shit.
4: And so, what I the reason I bring that up is more so not not for you to get a selfish plug for your current uh, fiance, but just the idea of uh, you know I think when you start off in touring bands and you start to exist out in the world at large, and then it starts to become more serious because you know you're out for longer and whatever the, you know, the maintenance of relationships, you know, back at home, whether it's, you know, with your, your family, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your significant other, um, how have you kind of navigated that? Because, you know, a lot of it is a strain on those relationships and, you know, a strain on you because you have to be kind of more present in certain circumstances because you are not physically there. So, um, has that been something that you've had to kind of, you know, sort of navigate and and cope with?
5: Yeah, it was pretty hard. Um, at first, when her and I started dating, um, I was not the best at calling a lot. You know, we you know text all the time, but I wouldn't call her. You know, at least every night and have like a nice phone call with her or FaceTime and spend time. I get so caught up in tour, and at first, uh, that that really like hurt her and upset her and um so for the past like two years i've been trying really hard to make sure i you know talk to her on the phone multiple times a day and like stay connected so that way she doesn't feel like she's doing her thing and i'm doing my thing like we're still together we're still you know working through things as a couple even though we don't necessarily get to be together and um when I first tried out for Fit for a King the first uh, I was like a little two week run that I was trying out for them on Um, one of my closest friends from high school passed away from cancer and I missed his funeral and that was like an early kind of jab to the heart of like okay this is what this is gonna be Mm -hmm. if you're here you're here you don't get to leave you don't get to go and mourn you work you stay out here it doesn't matter if you know, your friend's dying, or doesn't matter if someone's getting married, or whatever. You do your job because there are people that are expecting you to do it, and um, that was really, really hard at first. And but now I'm, I've grown to be able to, I think, take it. And um, luckily, I haven't had too many other situations like that that I've had to deal with. Sure. But um, between being a good partner and sticking by your family, it definitely is. Hard, but you just got to call and you got to make yourself known. Like, if I don't call my family all the time, I can't be upset if I don't know what's going on. So, I make sure that I put it upon myself. Like, every two weeks, you know, I make sure I put in an hour on the phone with my mom and my dad, you know, have a chat with them and, you know, make sure that you, you know, keep up with everything with the lady at home and make sure that she's happy and has things going easy because this is hard and it's stressful. And I think that everyone out here has a hard time, but luckily we do it together. And, you know, like Ryan's married and Daniel, our guitar player at the moment was married. Um, so, you know, even when I'm having a hard day or, you know, we're fighting or something like that, we got people to talk to and that helps a lot as well. Cause that's the other side of it is, you know, when we are having those hard days, it's, you know, you don't, uh, it's hard to not be able to just see them and hug it out. And fix it. And a lot of things get misconstrued through text message or over the phone. So I've just tried to slow down, be a little bit more conscious, and not just, you know, think with uh, like the fast paced style of tour where it's like, well, no, I've got to do this thing right now. I got to go. Like, nah, if she needs me, then, you know, that's the focus first. And then go see your friends or do whatever the hell you want to do while you're out on tour.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, I think that that last part is really important. Cause I think that's what, uh, yeah, it's so easy to just, you know, be reactive when you are in these highly stimulating environments and like to be able to disconnect. And like you said, share the time with the person that, uh, you know, you care about sometimes it's just hard. It's easier said than done. And so for you to be conscious about it, like that's a, I think that's a really, really good piece of advice.
5: Um. Even for you know, right now on this tour, everybody, just about all like us, Miss Maya and Crystal Lake, particularly, we play Super Smash Brothers on Switch as like a group every day for like multiple hours if we can. So that's the where it's like, all right, I need to like get off the freaking Switch and go actually call my lady and you know not just sit here and, and melt away. So. Yeah, it's been it's been cool. And luckily, like you know, having lots of guys around you that are doing the same kind of thing and having the same conscious effort. Like it's not like this is party central out here, so it's easy. You just have to be a good partner. You just yeah. got to care and yeah. call, and then it's not a big deal.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last two things I want to hit you yeah. before uh, I let you go was the um, you know, you you do your own podcast that you uh, enjoy, and how how long have you been, or am I crazy about that, or you do your own show? Yeah.
5: No, no podcast for, no, okay. cool, oh, no for me. No, okay, fun, but no podcast. No, I just have
4: another band. Yes, you have another band, which I—that's just dumb research on mine. Because yeah, you so you do another band that is obviously signed to Tooth and Nail and everything like that, or not Tooth and Nail, but Solid State or Tooth and Nail.
5: Tooth and Nail, yeah, because it's much softer. So we put it out on the. On the softer side of the, uh, so, you know, Tooth and & Nail and Solid State are like the, pretty much the same entity, same pack, role, same owner. Um, but, you know, they put out the Amberlins and the Copelands and May on Tooth and & Nail and then, you know, the heavier stuff on Solid State. So, um, they've been, uh, very kind and have been putting up the off-road minivan stuff on Tooth & Nail for me.
4: Yeah, that's really cool. And the uh the fact that you can have uh you know your quote unquote side project, but you know, still be as active as you want to be with it, and then still have a platform through the label, I'm sure that's really, really gratifying.
5: It's been super helpful, man. And the guys in my project uh, offered many Band at home, like they're all like the drummer's my best friend on the whole freaking world and you know, the other guys in my in the band I've played in bands with on and off since I was like fifteen. So You know, them finally at least, you know, maybe we won't tour the world and get to be super busy because I'm very busy with fit, but they'll get to put out, you know, records on a cool label and get to play some, do some touring and have some experience. And, you know, they're very thankful for that. And I am too, just because when it comes to songwriting, off-road is more what I write. It's, you know, I love playing Fit for King and entertaining and, and writing that music But when I get home from tour, first thing I do is sit on my couch with an acoustic and and play. So um, Off-Road has been just... It really helped me a lot. I was having a hard time for a while with Fit just because I felt like I wasn't getting to be as artistic as I wanted because a lot of kids talked crap on my first uh, record with the band. And what they don't know is that the band at the time wasn't very close. We all, you know, I was just getting to know them and they all weren't necessarily loving each other either. And so I just kind of ended up doing my own thing on that slave to nothing record. And I was super, you know, I, I had gone through a really hard time. One of my, uh, my neighbor growing up died from a heroin overdose and then my friend died from cancer and I was just in a really bad place. And I wrote this really sad record and, Didn't go great. It went well, but you know, it didn't go as well as we wanted. So on death grip, I didn't get to do as much. And it really weighed on me mentally as an artist where I was like, cool. Like touring is great and making money is great. But like, what about how I feel? Like I want to make art. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to do this and just be some, you know, dancing monkey. I want to be, I want to be an artist. So I started off for a minivan with, um, Two friends of mine at home, Melvin and Evan, and we wrote the song "Spiral Gaze" that we ended up releasing. And um, pretty quickly, I showed the label and was just like, "Hey, what do you what do you think about this? I'm thinking about putting this out." And they offered to pick it up and allow us to put out an EP and and do a video. And we're working on a full length now. And it just really really helped me mentally because I just needed more. Um, and I needed to be able to put out uh, songs that I was writing at home that I felt like were never going to see the light of day. And I guess that's the hard part is, like, sure, you have you know some success coming your way, and you're really, really stoked on it, but I felt like it was their success. I felt like it was the band. You know, could I have made a band on my own and have it be successful? Maybe not, because that's why I had to join someone else's. So I got caught up in that where I just felt like, I had to prove myself and prove that I could be um a songwriter on my own and not just leech off of other people's success.
4: Sure, sure, yeah, that that you could put your uh your own art out there and you know have it be exactly reflective over who you are regardless of, you know, what people thought about it. It's like, yeah, that's a very it's a very liberating thing and it's it's scary, but it's very liberating at the same time.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm super stoked on it. We're finishing up uh finishing our demos for a full length and then going to um record it locally. I'm doing a bunch of stuff with uh Stu John Nicolario. He's um done like one of the first brand new record your favorite weapon and you know a bunch of cool stuff i don't remember i don't know if you've ever heard the band just surrender did a bunch of their records yeah yeah, so it'll be cool you know i'm excited to get home and get to work on that so it's just kind of in between every fit tour i try to knock off as much as i can um play some shows and you know get out there but it's been pretty tough we only got to play like 15 shows last year because two of the other members also tour but for monster jam which is a monster truck rally oh two things and uh they Don't, do that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah they do they do audio video for monster jam so they're gone a bunch of the year doing that And then, so it's like, okay, well I'm home guys And they're like, well fuck, I'm gone And then, so it's really hard to balance Trying to get a record done And trying to tour while having You know, the three of us Kind of all over the place is pretty difficult But um, It's just a slow paced thing It's a passion project Like, it won't come out until it's perfect And I like that there's not really Like a pressure on it It's just, it's just fun It's just art for the sake of art and, um, I'm just stoked that anyone hears it, you know, and enjoys it. Cause it's so different than fit for a King. And I didn't know how people would take it, but, um, it's been really cool, man. I'm I'm so happy to do it. Cause it really is like, it's my baby. I love that band so much. And getting to play shows are really nice for it. Cause I, you know, yeah, fit for a King has really successful shows, but offer a minivan could go play a show and put to 10 people. Yeah. It's not it's not the same thing. I'm not out there like racking in the dough and, and playing in front of the I'm out there trying to earn it again piece by piece, person by person. And uh I don't not to still get to do that and have to you know, put something new out there for people. So it's been yeah. been really cool. Adam at solid state, shout out, he's the nicest dude on the planet. Very nice, and, very uh, nice young chap. Has, Yeah. He's been so good to me, man. So it's been really cool. You know, the whole, the whole team that we've got is nothing but kind, loving people. And, uh, it's made life pretty enjoyable and easy. So,
4: yeah. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. And I, I would be remiss if I did not talk to you about the fact that you, uh, you are one of, uh, quote unquote, those people that are uh, super into, uh, you know, uh, fitness. I don't know if I, you want to be labeled as a, as CrossFit. Cause I don't know. People obviously have opinions about that, but, uh, yeah, you are, yeah. you're a physically active guy. Um, and I, I presume, I mean, just because like you mentioned, you play because you played football, like you said, in high school, right?
5: Yeah, I did, too, uh, for a couple years, um, and then I ended up stopping and just doing the theater thing full-time. But I've always done sports, whether, you know, one year I did track for fun in the spring because I didn't have a play to do or stuff like that. Um, did martial arts as a child. I got my black belt when I was, like, 14. Um, but, yeah, just always been into My dad is jacked. He is just a beast of a human. So he just wouldn't let me not work out. He was just at an early age it was very admiring. He wasn't doing it just to like be some macho dude. Like it was just cool to see him do everything and do it really well. Like when you played sports with your friends and your dad got involved, he was always Superman. Like he was always the strongest, baddest dude around. So it just made me want to be physically fit and I had my neighbor growing up when we by the time we were fourteen, he was like three hundred pounds at five five. He was huge. And now he is shredded and jacked and benching two ninety and just the most insane shape you could ask. And it was super inspiring because I was like, Man, like you went from zero to hero, dude. Like you really went for it. Um so it made me feel like I didn't work hard enough. Um and a lot of time on tour we do get lazy. I've definitely had some tours where I don't work out at all. Um, and it definitely affects me a lot. I hate when I get back home and then it's not as, um, I'm not in as good of shape, but, uh, luckily on this tour, there's a bunch of dudes that work out. So we've, we've only missed like four days, I think. Look at you. of actual shows. No, it's cool. And, yeah. I don't do CrossFit, but I'm more, I, I just like, I like lifting and I like yoga. Those are my things. Um, I think that, uh, it's really nice to be able to, um, you know, carry your weight and, you know, be strong and and be able to help out in situations where I don't know. My dad just always said, if you walk into a room and you know, you're like one of, if not the strongest guy, you just have a different confidence. And I just always, uh, I don't want to ever feel like I'm going to get taken advantage of. I just want to feel strong. Uh, and it seems really corny and stupid, and a lot of people don't get it. But um, I think once you start to get that feeling of what it makes you feel like to be healthy like that, when I get done working out, I feel better than I did before. And when you release those endorphins and you get that high, I've done a bunch of drugs, and most of them aren't as good as that. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, weightlifting is awesome. And then, uh, like, two years ago, Warped Tour 2017, I really, really got into yoga. It was We were still in our 15-passenger van. My knees were shot. My back was shot. I was in pain every day. And I'm a big pothead, so I was smoking a lot of pot. And I was just like, man, I need to I need to do something. Like, I can't live like this. Like, this hurts. It's either going to be not performing the way I want to perform or fixing this. And luckily, it worked for it's super hot and we didn't have a bus. So doing yoga outside on asphalt in 100-degree weather every day, nothing gets you limber like that. And from there on out, I just got so into it um, because as, like, a pretty hyper guy, It's one of the only times I'll just like tell myself, no, I need to just chill and concentrate and I'll put on a record that I like and, you know, just let everything slow down for an hour. You know, I think it's hard when you're on tour, you're at a fast pace constantly. So my yoga is my time to just kind of shut everyone out and think about what I'm trying to fix. It kind of goes along with the faith, man. Like, what did I do yesterday that upset me and what did I do yesterday that was, that was mean and what can I do today that could be better than that? Cause I've had some instances. I have a, a pretty dark sense of humor and I make people uncomfortable or say the wrong thing. And I'm really trying this year to just eliminate that and not be a rude person. Um, and obviously when you're on a podcast like it's different you're not you know dishing yourself 100 percent. and that's i think the thing with this world right now is everyone uh you can be called out for anything at any time and be held accountable for your words and i want to hold myself accountable for my words i guess so yeah. the yoga is cool for that it helps you just analyze and and think about stupid crap that you've been doing in your life that you need to fix and um it's cool. Even like my fiance, I told her for, you know, a year she was having bad problems and, and she wasn't, uh, um, you know, she was just feeling really stressed. I was like, man, you need to try this out. I'm telling you, it's sick. And a lot of people hate being told to do stuff like that. But, you know, now she's been doing it and loves it to death. And, you know, I, I think that more people would like it. And the, and the re- my my main question I ask everyone is when's the last time you stretched? and the average person will tell you uh I have no idea never uh I don't know middle school Yeah, exactly. You need to stretch. You, you need to, stretch. to make yourself feel good. You need to get your blood flowing. You need to like you can't just sit in a chair all day or you know work in a factory all day or whatever it is that you do as an individual and then just go right to bed and not take any attention to detail on what your body is going through and uh and working those things out and um i don't know yoga's just pretty cool it's been been really really nice for me and it's helped a lot with the touring because i still have you know some back pain and some knee pain at times but um i always feel better after i do it so yeah between that and the lifting it's been awesome that's awesome we've got two vegans in our crew so we go to whole foods a lot so yeah you know we that's the other part is just eating healthy man you know you get on a tour and a lot of people eat like garbage so right 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 right. you know that's that's when you gain the weight the first time we toured with Body Springs right i gained eight pounds in five weeks <laughs> by drinking beer that was the first tour we ever got a rider yeah and i'd never gotten beer before on a tour i'm like oh man that's so cool and then i got home my dad was just like dude you look fat like you need to fix that so uh yeah it, it's interesting that the diet is the hardest part i think um to consciously have that time where it's like 1130 and you're really hungry, but you're like, okay, I'm not going to eat a giant sandwich right now because I'm going to bed. So yeah,
4: for sure. Yeah. The, protein shakes. the four. Yeah. The, <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, dude, thank you so much yeah. for hanging out, Ryan. This has been super fun. And I really, uh, yeah, I enjoyed our, I enjoyed our chat.
5: Absolutely. a big fan and super thankful to, uh, have gotten to be on your podcast. It is awesome. And I love our chat. So,
4: Thank you for listening, and thank you, Ryan, for coming on the show. He was on tour, so uh, I always appreciate when people are able to find like you know an hour of time, even though most of tour is just waiting. But <laughs> trying to find a quiet place on tour is always difficult. So appreciate Ryan carving that out. Next week we have a great chat with you. May not be familiar with the band, but you should be if you're a fan of like you know Explosions in the Sky, that whole sort of like post rock scene. You need to listen to the End of an Ocean or the End of the Ocean. And, uh, I'm discussing this episode with Trish Chisholm. I, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. And I'll probably pronounce it wrong next week as well. <laughs> Trish, Trish Chisholm. She plays guitar in uh, the end of an ocean and a really good band. Really interesting story. I just, uh, I found the, the chat to be super fun. So that's what we got next week. And until then, like I always encourage you, please be safe, everybody. And on the way out, please don't forget to check out Yousician because they can teach you so much great stuff on guitar, piano, ukulele, bass, or singing at your own home and your own pace for a fraction of the price of traditional lessons. Visit Yousician.com slash words to try Yousician with a 20% discount using the code WORDS. All right? Now, be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
3: Drain from their soul.
0: Yeah, I think at the Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
4: So, guys, listen to the Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever. fine podcasts are given away for free. The show is sponsored
6: by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference.